Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, for you are just in all you have done. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to Titus. Let us be attentive. Titus, my son, the same is sure. I desire you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. But avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is facetious, after admonishing him once or twice, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychios to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith, and grace be with you all. Amen. Peace be with you, the reader. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. And with your spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. Glory to you. to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell along the path and was trodden underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew with it and choked it and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. 
But these have no root, for they believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bring forth with patience. As he said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I happened upon a rather amusing and, I guess, rousing and thought-provoking poem the other day. I wanted to share it with you. The anonymous author uh, writes the following. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, by the light or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, said he. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd see you. (laughs) Indeed, we might be very surprised at what we discover when we pass over into the other life. And so St. Paul exhorts us to endeavor to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in Philippians 2.12. And we heard this morning in his letter to Titus that we are to apply ourselves to good deeds and not be unfruitful since this is virtue and profitable for our salvation. Today we commemorate and honor the 350 holy and God-bearing fathers that gathered in the city of Nicaea in the year 787 A.D. at the Seventh Ecumenical Council. The council was convened over the iconoclastic heresy, a false teaching that infected large parts of the church 
and led to the destruction of the holy images and also to the making of many martyrs for the true faith. Those brave and courageous men and women who defended with their very lives the holy icons and their use in the churches and in homes. Ultimately, this holy council safeguarded the very fact of the incarnation, that God the Word truly became flesh, and so was truly a man in every respect, perfect man and perfect God. The fathers of the Seventh Ecumenical Council proclaimed loudly this following declaration of faith. We define that the holy icons, whether in color, mosaic, or some other material, should be exhibited in the holy churches of God, on the sacred vessels and liturgical vestments, on the walls, the furnishings, and in houses and along the roads, namely the icons of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, that of Our Lady the Theotokos, those of the venerable angels, and those of all saintly people. Whenever these representations are contemplated, they will cause those who look at them to commemorate and love their prototype. We define also that they should be kissed and that they are an object of veneration and honor, but not of real worship, for worship is reserved for God, who is the subject of our faith and is proper for the divine nature. He who venerates the icon venerates in it the reality for which it stands. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, given that we are to honor the sacred images of those holy people, such as our Lord, His Mother, and the saints, how much more should we honor and protect the very image and likeness of God that is present in every individual human being? We know well the history of creation, that when God created Adam and Eve, the first human beings, he said, that is, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit declared, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. There is an outright satanic assault on our God-given human nature happening before our very eyes. And we must hold fast to the great honor that God has bestowed on us, creating us out of nothingness and bringing us into being as male and female on account of his infinite love and mercy, fashioning the human being in his own image and likeness. We cannot accept the violence being done to the image of God, to innocent and deceived human beings, be it physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual violence on account of so much of the world not believing in God 
or believing in the great dignity given to all of humanity. His creation, His creatures, His image, His children. The devil is a spirit of confusion, disorder, and the father of lies, as our Lord Jesus has described him. While the Holy Spirit of God brings clarity, order, and truth. As it has been said before, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. It might very well be that in our own days, becoming or remaining a true Christian is revolutionary, but therefore it is world-changing and world-saving. The Seventh Council pronounced, repeating the words of St. Basil the Great, the honor given to the image passes on to the prototype. But the exact opposite is also true. The dishonor given to the image passes on to the prototype. And if the prototype of humanity is God, to dishonor his image, which is the human being, is to dishonor God himself. To be more exact, the archetype or the model for humanity is the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. As St. Nicholas Cabasilas explains, it was for the new man, Jesus Christ, that human nature was originally created. It was for him that our intellect and desire were prepared. We received rationality that we might know Christ, and we received desire that we might run towards him. We possessed a memory that we might hear him in us, since he was the archetype for those who have been created. For the old Adam is not a model for the new Adam, but the new Adam, Jesus Christ, is the model for the old. This is why Jesus explains that at the second coming, he will say to some, what you have done to one of these human beings, you have done to me. And contrarywise, what you did not do to one of these human beings, you did not do to me. How we treat each other is directly proportional to how we treat Jesus Christ himself. And how we mistreat ourselves or others is directly proportional to how we mistreat Jesus Christ himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we must not be unfruitful or untrue. We cannot cease doing good to and caring for the image of God, that is, to our neighbor and ourselves, honoring the image and thereby passing that honor to the archetype and model for humanity, Jesus Christ, to whom be the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise.